Welcome everybody to a day in the week. It's no like Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday is maybe LeBron's favorite day of the week. Outside of that, not uh. a not a single person cares about Tuesday. It does not matter. No, is that it? I think that is fair. Yeah, no, I, I'm trying to think of anything about Tuesday. It's not Monday. <laughs> it's not Monday. See, but the thing about Monday is every so often you'll have it off. Like you have Monday off yeah. more often than you have Tuesday. So That's true. I think there's an argument to be made. Tuesday's the worst day in the week. I mean, unless you really like tacos, I guess. Yeah. Um, no, what's like Wednesday about? <laughs> At least Thursday I mean, feels like the start. See, it could like, be the start of the weekend, and there's football on when, on Thursdays. See, but like Wednesday has that delightful moment when you finish with work on Wednesday, and you're like, all right, I passed the halfway point of the week. Mm-hmm. I'm a couple shifts away from the weekend. Tuesday, it's just like, man, fuck this. <laughs> I, you know what? I That's going to be it. All right, welcome, everybody, to your least favorite day of the week. I'm Anthony right. Irwin, and Tuesday yep. sucks. There's a store uh, yeah. out there. There's a retail store called Tuesday Morning that's way overpriced. Like oh. everything about everything about this this stupid day. Everybody eats tacos on one. Like people have decided that it's the one day of the week that people can eat tacos or something. Yeah, do we like know that? why? Like, I mean, the tea. Why thing, I is it, get, is it just alliteration? Yeah, like you know what? I had I I had tacos yesterday. It was great. Taco, Taco Monday. Monday. All right. Yeah. It was it was it was fantastic. <laughs> I mean, there's got to be like the confluence of all the circumstances when it's like National Margarita Day and Taco Tuesday and Cinco de Mayo and it all just like comes together. That's probably that's probably as good as Tuesdays get, right? Maybe. I don't know. I don't think there's a such thing as like a good Tuesday. I mean, I remember like in college, Tuesdays were nice because it was just like you had, you know, margaritas on Tuesdays was like another excuse to get hammered while I was in college. But um yeah, all that all that was was like lead to some alcoholic tendencies that I'm still trying to get over. So honestly, screw Tuesdays. It's just it's just a bad day. <laughs> Tuesday is yeah, Tuesday's bad. Ruby Tuesday is a shitty restaurant. <laughs> is okay. I, uh, is that a burger place? I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't. I don't. Um. All right. Well, we're gonna get through this one a little quicker than usual. Um, Aaron is awaiting company. You're having your brother come in. I actually yeah. thought about waiting for your brother to come in so I could talk to him about like being your brother. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, he's probably in the other room. I, I, I may have heard the door open. I'm not sure. He's probably in um, the other room. But yeah, we'll just we'll 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 get through this one. We do have two big stories that we we have to touch on here on this Tuesday, and and the reason that we're recording right now is because we are not going to be doing a show on Friday as uh, that is a company holiday for us as we get ready for the holiday weekend. Um, also, I believe, yeah, not having a show on Monday. Long weekend for everybody. So, so you know, get ready for, for having to sit alone in your thoughts for an extra hour on those two days. Um, two big stories, though. One, the Phoenix Suns are, have been sold. Robert Sarver um, has sold them to... Matt uh, Ishib, uh, no Ishbia, and his brother. So uh, that's an interesting story. They sold for four billion dollars, which mm-hmm. is kind of insane for the Phoenix Suns. Um, and then you know, if we have a little bit of time here at the end of that, apparently there's some some dysfunction in Chicago 
um, and and between Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan specifically, and um, you know, I know most Lakers fans, and 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 this has kind of become Robert Robert Palenka. <laughs> Imagine, <Hey>. um, <laughs> Bobby P. Bobby P. <laughs> uh, but this has become kind of. Um, you know, one 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 I guess tried and true practice here from the Lakers under Palenka is when you have a situation like this, just kind of checking in to see if this is something that the Lakers can take advantage of. Um, so I guess we're going to talk about that as well. So let's go ahead and dive in, though. According to various reports over the course of the day, Robert Sarver sold the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury to Matt Ishbia. Um, he is the CEO of a mortgage company, um, and uh, you know he and his brother are going in on this together. Um, this ends the Barbie Sa- Bobby Sarves uh, era in Phoenix. That you know wasn't great. Was no. was you know at its worst. At, at its worst, like downright despicable, and at its best, cheap. And dysfunctional. So, yeah. Like when Phoenix, the best thing you can say about a place is at at best, it was a yeah. toxic work, work environment. Seems like uh, <laughs> yeah, that not, that's at best. Yeah. And so there is, uh, you know, here with 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 the Phoenix Suns and Phoenix Suns fans, I'm sure, are very excited about turning the page here and moving away from the Robert Sarver era and that tenure. We have seen within that within the Lakers' own division, right. We have seen the Knicks turn around after the Maloofs got out of there. We have the seen... Kings, but yes. what I say? The Knicks. Oh, yeah. But well, they the are Knicks. kicking the ass of the next team you're going to say. Uh, the, the, the Knicks, by the way, um, you know, I'm sure plenty of Knicks fans have, have been hoping and praying to one day live in a post-Jimmy Dolan uh, era. Uh, but the uh, so yeah, the Kings have turned around after their sale, and you know, turnaround is, is a relative are, turn. They had a good run, I guess. Uh, the the Maloofs did oversee the most exciting stretch of that franchise, right? Um, the the teams that almost beat the Lakers in 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 those playoff runs. But you're um, right about the division because the Warriors and Clippers were basically mm-hmm. the two laughing stocks of the league, and yep. now we're no longer. Although the Clippers yep. kind of still are. with uh, with the sale. Um, and, and with Joe Lacob taking over in, in Golden State, we've seen what that has done for the Warriors. And and again, with the Clippers, um, you know, bringing in Balmer, now obviously it hasn't produced the kinds of results that, you know, would be commensurate with the amount of of hype surrounding them at all times. But it still is better than uh, things were under Donald Sterling. So... Yes. Uh, yeah, which is, I, this I, is I, interesting though. Does 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 uh, Bobby Sarve's wife get to like in perpetuity be considered the number one Suns fan, much like uh, Donald Sterling's wife, Shelly <laughs> Shelly Sterling, I believe, right? She uh, like she she was like forced into it was like part of the sale was she was oh. like the number one Clippers fan for eternity. And See I think the stupid thing about the stupid thing about that is like a lot of the stuff that gets held historically against Donald Sterling should also apply to Shelly Sterling because she participated in a lot of the racist landlord renting um, stuff, the allegations against him there. So like, fuck them as a couple, I think is kind of the stance. <clears throat> yeah. Like, I don't have, like, I don't, 
I don't have any issue. I don't have any issue with that. Um, because like, I, the, like yeah. if I remember correctly, from what I from what I read, um, at one point she was going door to door and pretending to be some kind of government official so that she can keep a tally on the number of minority yeah, renters in yeah. their buildings. I believe so. I believe, yeah. I believe that was a thing. Yeah. Number um, one Clippers fan, my ass. Yeah. So as it relates <laughs> to the Suns, I think there's two parts of this that matter. Uh, yeah. One is the, it displays the health of the league. Um, the Suns are, Phoenix is, I think it's the fourth biggest market in the country at this point. Um, so they're obviously a big market team. Their success is recently has been good. They've been a good team. Fourth but it's biggest been market? I think Phoenix is now the fourth biggest market in the country. Yes. Really? Yes. That is shocking. No way. I think so. Maybe fifth, but I think so. So New York, LA, Chicago. And then it's Phoenix and Houston, or I don't know, fourth and fifth, Phoenix and Houston. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's growing incredibly quickly. It used to be the Bay Area. Um, it is no longer. Um, anyway, so the fact wow. that they, they sold for, I don't know what their I just went Owen Wilson. Wow. Uh, wow. It shows it shows the the health of the league in general, right? And it makes you say, you know, for some of the marquee franchises, what could what could these teams get? So that speaks positively for the health of the league. The other part of it that's important is there were rumors, or not really rumors, but a supposition that because they were in the process of being sold, that they didn't want to have any extra encumbrances long term that they didn't already have. Mm -hmm because that complicates the sale. Maybe it speaks to some of the reason why Jay Crowder hasn't been traded yet, but um, whatever moves that, that Phoenix was considering making um, seem like they could be in play now because now there is a definitive answer on who is, you know, helming the, the, the ship, um, who the, who the governor is going to be, who ownership is. So there yeah. isn't the, like, uh, we didn't want to do this because we didn't want to put long-term money out there that might hinder a, a sale. So, I think it may allow for if the Suns have been working on anything. I think it may allow for some greasing of the wheels as far as as far as them taking on long term contracts. I, I look. I don't have any sourcing on this or, or anything like this. This is this is just kind of off the cuff analysis. But like we talk about taking advantage of of situations that are in flux and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And one thing that um, you know, I hate giving credit to Danny Ainge for anything. But one thing that he has made a pretty regular practice of is taking advantage of new ownership um, when they come in and they want to come in and they make some big swing. Um, he is yeah. often there to to reap those benefits here. Uh, we did He did it with uh, Mikhail Prokhorov back uh, when he traded them Kevin Garnett and Paul, Beer Paul, Paul Pierce. Um, here with Minnesota, he sends Rudy Gobert to Minnesota um, because A-Rod and whoever was with A-Rod in that purchase took over and they wanted to make a big swing. Um, you know, here with the with, with the Lakers, I, I do kind of wonder, like, if, you know, the fact that we don't have any news on AD two days later and because they are still in the, apparently the evaluation phase of this, I, it, I, I don't think that, in this case, no news is good news in in this regard. I, it it actually makes me quite nervous. But if the Lakers do elect to kind of move in 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 the rebuilding direction here, taking advantage of new ownership there would would be one way to to really kind of if if they're focused on future picks and stuff like that, 
Um, and if it is time to, to, to kind of change, you know, turn the page and, and head in a di- different direction, uh, you could probably refill that, that asset cabinet fairly quickly, um, by taking advantage of that new, new, owner, new ownership. The other, the, the other way to possibly take advantage of it is if, if, uh, Matt and his name is not easy to say, Matt and Justin Ishbia, um, if they decide to, um, bring in their people and yeah, and they and they decide to let go of of Monty Williams and uh James Jones two people who are very very good at what they do that's another way that if I were if I like smart teams should start really paying attention to what's going on there so yeah usually i think those two things are connected usually new ownership groups like to bring their own people in um, and that and often Minnesota means, just did too, by the way, that often like, means inexperienced or less experienced executives. Um, but that isn't the case presently. Like, even though there's new ownership, James Jones knows what he's doing. So I don't think James Jones is going to get taken advantage of. However, ownership, new owners often do want to make a splash. The other thing happen- happening though, is usually teams that are as good as the Suns have been for the last couple of years don't get sold. So yeah. it's also you know, when somebody comes in and wants to make a splash, a new owner does, it's usually on a team that's not very good. And so as far as like taking advantage of, of the Suns, like, I don't think the Suns are really, other than Jay Crowder, it appears, I don't seem like they're going to be want to be selling off stuff, current stuff for future stuff at present, yeah. because they still have aspirations at present. So I think that's less likely in this case, but it is something that happens. Absolutely. Uh, the other part of this that obviously Lakers fans, and we're going to, I want to talk about this on, on a league wide level too, but, um, the other part of this that, that Lakers fans immediately jumped to as they found out that the Phoenix Suns again, sold for $4 billion. <laughs> it's a lot of money. Insane. The Golden State Warriors. I'm playing the lottery what? tonight. They, the, the oh, Golden State know. Warriors sold for what? $550 million or six hundred. The Warriors, the Warriors sold in. 2012 for 455 million. <laughs> I was high. <laughs> um, Which I believe was the highest sales price at the time in league history. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was. and then and then like fairly soon after that though, the Clippers sold for two billion. Right? Uh, the Clippers sold for two billion in 14 or 15. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so four billion dollars for the Phoenix Suns, and immediately people started wondering. Um, well, one, what the I started wondering, like, what would that even mean for the Lakers on the open market? I think there are a couple things that are, are are important to point out. One, there is no scenario as it stands right now that the Lakers would be put up for sale um, anytime soon. From what I've heard, I'm sure you could speak to this more definitively than me. I do not foresee the Lakers being for sale anytime soon. Yeah. Um, now, I will say... I will again. I agree with you. I'm not disagreeing with mm-hmm. you. I will say though that it's going to be interesting to see how things play out at the end of Rob Palinka's current extension. Because if the Lakers are kind of mired in mediocrity or worse, and Jeannie Buss elects to replace him, and she doesn't choose to replace him with either Jesse or Joey Buss, I do kind of wonder if they would ever just kind of get sick of. The, their current roles and obviously they can't go work for a different team. So I do kind of wonder if they would ever flip their votes to, uh, was it Johnny and, uh, 
see, Johnny and Jim, mm-hmm. who I believe as as at present are the only two yay votes if they were to if they were to to vote to sell the team. I don't and I don't know where need... they stand. I don't know where they stand now, but they were the two votes, yes. Yeah. Um and and so that you would need four votes, I believe, right? Correct. To sell the Lakers. And it would be interesting to see now Jeannie obviously would never vote to sell the Lakers. Correct. Janie as it stands right now, seems pretty content to Not continue happening. to own part of the Lakers. But I do kind of wonder, depending on how things go here at the end of Rob Palenka's, this current extension that he's um, in in year one of, I guess, um, it's going to be interesting to see if it doesn't go well and Genie, you know, brings in Magic again or doesn't. I think next know, year, I think actually next year is year one because I think uh, this year he had. So his extension awesome. starts next year, I believe. Fantastic. Um, so even formal. No, I mean, yes, I don't, I don't see that happening. But I mean, for just about anybody, I'm not necessarily anybody, but for just about anybody, there is a number, right? For everything, there is a number where you just say, "I go." There's no yeah. choice, right? Well, this is the, the thing. Also, like, I think the thing that's worth mentioning here is that the the bus siblings don't have much wealth outside of. The Lakers, right? There are some. I saw, I saw somebody posted something today that said that they're the least wealthy. I guess I don't know. The if genie, that's true. genie is the is the least wealthy um, yes. minority. I don't. Or I don't not, know. If, not minority. Majority owner. I don't, um, I don't know if that's true or not, but yeah, somebody did assert that. And I, I think the other interesting part of it um, is we always think like team value yes is is somewhat tied to market size we've see that with the suns um sale but um that's part of that's part of it right that is part of you know the warriors are the highest valued franchise yes because they have are at the tail end of or starting a new or whatever the dynasty thing um and they have Steph Curry who's most marketable but the other part of it is they own their building yep that's a lot of it too um so generally, the Knicks the are super own... valuable because they own their building Correct. and their and their and their TV provider. Correct. Yeah. So often, the biggest markets are the teams that are worth the most, and is pretty much true in the NBA, but not entirely. And there is no connection with uh, market size and owner wealth. That those two just aren't correlated no. at all. I believe. Uh, I think. I mean, other than Balmer, I think uh, Memphis's owner is like way up there. He's like maybe number two in the league after Balmer as far as well. I think Josiah is number two. Okay. And anyway, Memphis is a tiny, like relative to the rest of the league. Memphis, uh, Memphis might be the smallest market in the league. Um, so there isn't necessarily a correlation between market size and owner wealth, um, and really team valuation and owner wealth or team valuation and, um, and market size. It's all kind Mm -hmm. of like a, Witch's brew of obviously, like we mentioned with the Warriors and, and the Knicks, the building certainly helps, and winning a bunch certainly helps too. Um, but there, just, yeah, I mean, like I can't, I do not see it happening. I, I just like from what I know of Jeannie, it's not happening. But like she I can guess, get outvoted theoretically. I don't see that happening either. But mm-hmm. like there is a number, right? That is just yeah. like you have to. I guess. I yeah. guess. I'm, well, winning, so, I'm, I'm winning the lottery tonight, so I'm gonna I, <laughs> I'm gonna buy like I'm gonna buy like an eighth of the mercury. I see if I can get that from from the guys that just purchased today. Sports ownership seems like fun. Like sports team ownership seems like fun. So um, yeah, I now, mean, there's all kinds of like tax tricks and stuff. Um, and they would all tell you they're yeah. losing money every year. Some mm-hmm. are not really in the NBA, but 
like that's not the point you run it you try to run it it's even hilarious if you to hear them like cry poverty when every single team that goes up for sale yes <laughs> the value keeps going up i mean again and what it's it's come 2022 on. it's 2022 um and you just said in 2012 the worth 455 million yeah i don't know what they would get today but it's it's more than 10 times that i mean yeah. they would get i don't know six or seven or eight i, I don't know something on the Maybe open market 10. who knows like, well, so like the, I, I do quickly and we don't again, I, we don't need to spend too much time on this because I, I don't see it happening. But some of the um, details of the Lakers selling that are worth kind of noting here, like you said, it's not it's not as easy. It's not as simple as saying the, the Suns went for four. Like the Lakers would have to go for 12, you know, like, no, it's not it's not necessarily that simple. Because uh, they don't own their building, they have a great contract with Sportsnet, but but Genie Bus does not own um, Spectrum Sportsnet, and and also importantly, she doesn't own the real estate that surrounds um, formerly Staples Center and and uh, MoneyLaundering.com Arena. Like they don't they don't she doesn't own that area around there, whereas like. Joe Lacob, when they built their new arena, he went and bought the land immediately surrounding the arena as well. So like what, what we're kind of learning here is that the value in buying these sports teams isn't just the sports team. It's also seen yeah, by many people estate. as yeah, a real estate investment. Yeah, and that's where like with, the, with SoFi and also yeah. Balmer with whatever they're, I can't remember what Intuit Dome, I think it's going to be called. I don't remember, mm -hmm. but it's, it's yeah. it is being raised quickly also. Yeah. So like that's, that stuff, it, it's not quite as simple as, wow, the Lakers could go for what? And, and so that's worth kind of mentioning there. Also, if the Lakers were to go up for sale, the people who own the Dodgers have right of first refusal, and that can sometimes depress sale value as well. Um, now, the way that that would kind of work is if, you know, say Jeannie and, and the bus siblings all put the Lakers up for sale, and they get offers here that are above what, I think it's Peter Gruber, right? Is that the, the Peter, Dodgers? Uh uh, no, he's the he's 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 uh, Peter Goober. He is with the other owner along with Lake Up for the Warriors. Oh, he may have uh, a piece of the Dodgers. I don't know. The Dodgers. But Peter owner. Peter why Goober I, is the is the I'm like blanking. secondary uh, Warriors owner. Yeah, um, Dodgers. Mark Walter. Thank you. So, um, Mark Walter and and some other minority owners here with the Lakers currently would have right of first refusal refusal. And, you know, that would kind of complicate things as far as like what could be gotten. That is the, the other calling other, it the restricted free agency of. Uh, yeah, kind of. Uh, right. Of like a little. Sales. Well, because it, it does kind of like restricted free agent does depress value. Right. And, Often. and so um, like the whole point of restricted free agency is depressed is to depress mm. the value. Mm. <laughs> that is that is, um, that is one benefit. <laughs> so I think DeAndre uh, Ayton is doing OK, though. The other, the other, um, well, he's not doing as well as he could have had he just signed his max with, with Phoenix, right? So the other, the other part of this is that when you talk about like what each bus sibling can be taking home, I believe they have it, they all collectively own 
you they know, own, it's a trust. They own, they own 66%. 60, yeah, so 66% of the Lakers, it's a trust that is set up amongst the six of them, and it gets divvied out. That 66% gets divvied out to them. So when people are like, well, if the Lakers just sold for $6 billion, they would each take home a billion dollars each. Why would they turn that down? It's like, no, that's not necessarily how it works because they wouldn't be taking home all of that money. Um, and, and that's worth noting here as well. So the point of the, the point of me going into all of that is to, I mean, we could have just very quickly said Lakers are not going to be for sale anytime soon. <laughs> I believe I did. <laughs> yeah, you did. But I, I think it's also important to explain why that is the case that it's not it's not as cut and dry well as it appears yeah but there's also like when i say there's always a number i don't know what that is i don't know that there is for for genie um because it's not just about that for her it's about there's a lot of uh, emotion tied up in it right there's a yeah. lot of history of legacy of family of all of that so that's the whole it's point not, of the Hulu doc. Yeah, it's not. It's not that. It's not <laughs> as simple as. I mean, you said it. It's not as simple as sell for six billion and everybody takes home a billion. Um, even if that was the case, it still isn't. Like it, it is more complicated than money for them. Yeah, or for her. Yeah. So for those of you thinking about setting up a GoFundMe, mm -hmm. your your number is going to be way higher than you probably think. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I'm winning the lottery tonight. I'm going to buy um, one tenth of one percent of season tickets at the 200 200 level so the other i i the other part of of the sun selling that i find interesting here is that it's going to be yet another injection of new blood into the league and so we're seeing it kind of in, in the wnba where new ownership in the wnba um they do want to play they they want to pay the players more and they think that by investing into that product they can actually get more uh, ROI as a result. And, um, and they are kind of running up against some owners who have, who are, have been in the league for longer, who don't want to extend themselves in investing and reinvesting into the, into the WNBA. And now like, this is me just summarizing. It's probably an oversimplification that Sabrina could probably hop on here and better, better, um, describe and, and detail. But, you know, I think we're seeing it not just like, I think that's the nth degree example of it, but I do think we're going to, we see it a lot across sports where new ownership comes in and they have an idea of how they think business can or should run that would better benefit the return on their investment. And you have owners who have been in the league longer who are saying, whoa, easy, easy cowboy. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, I think the nth degree example going swinging the other way is the NFL where their, their, their owners are incredibly um, conservative when it comes to who they allow to buy into their league. And, uh, you know, I, I guess the reason I'm bringing all this up is with this injection of more new blood into the league, you know, we've seen Adam Silver test out new, new, new ideas and theories on how to grow the game. We've seen you, we have a TDD deal that that's coming up. We have a player empowerment uh, movement that owners are currently, it seems like kind of they've, they've, 
they've drawn they've drawn a line in the sand. There's a lot here going on when it comes to these macro level issues in the NBA. And I, without talking about what little we know about these two new owners, I do you have any thoughts on on this maybe hitting turbo being another being another kind of uh, speeding up factor in the evolution of the NBA, or do you think, you know, more traditional owners, the James Dolans, the Genie Buses, will push back and say, hey, we all have our ideas, but let's also remain true to what the NBA was and what got us here to this place in the first place. I am I'm cynical about the finances of the WNBA, um, and I don't know what can be done about it. Um, the NBA has been propping up the WNBA for as mm-hmm. long as it's existed and frankly is only financially viable because the NBA does so. But is that necessary because people don't watch? Yes. But do people not watch because it's not marketed well, or is it not marketed well because people don't watch or is it not people aren't watching because it's not very good mm-hmm. or like, <laughs> so there's all these like chicken and egg things. Um, yeah. So I'm cynical about the the finances of the WNBA. I do agree, though, with new money always comes new ideas. And it is the time of the collective bargaining negotiations and trying to figure that out. And there are, as you mentioned, macro issues. Now it seems like there are more of them than usual, mm-hmm. um, whether it's, you know, the age limit thing again. I think, you know, obviously Adam Silver wants his midseason tournament um, they, uh, yeah, the player empowerment pushback load management, the load management, sitting out games, um, gambling, all sorts of you know, expansion is is maybe coming. And yeah, I saw there's a rumor. Is there going to be a divide based on potentially? Based on, I think it'll be two at first, at most. But like that brings in new money also, which is kind of the point. But then that money maybe makes a bigger pie but it's split up more ways so for some teams you know that whatever hundreds of millions of dollar like payout means more than it does to others so i do think that the obviously new money equals new ideas and these are people especially people that their money isn't the nba they've made their money in business or in real estate or whatever else and that that money comes to the nba they're pretty successful people doesn't necessarily mean that they're smarter than anybody else but they are used to having their ideas heard and not mm-hmm. be told told no a lot. So I think, I do think there will be some push and pull between, and it's not even, I don't even think it's more, you mentioned it like more progressive or more traditional owners. Genie is a very progressive owner. I think what the difference is though, is like, I mean like newer, newer owners like newer and more long time. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So I do think there's going to be like in, in the NFL, it is a progressive versus conservative approach. Uh, yes. Right? More so. Yeah. Definitely more so. <laughs> Um, we have Jerry Jones in <laughs> in Arkansas, and again, it's standing like, against. Yeah, and he seems to be from what I don't know, what little I know, or however much I know, he seems to kind of be uh, the sheriff of all the owners, and what he says seems to go. Yeah. Um, and there are certainly, uh, I mean, it, it's all right. It's relationship. Every business is a relationship business, so there are definitely owners that have better working relationships with each other better friendships with the league office, you know, all of that sort of thing. So there are more influential owners, but it does not seem like quite the monopolization that Jerry Jones has. But yeah. I do think this is going to, this is like kind of a fascinating time for macro level 
you know, changes maybe to the NBA. Yeah. The last, the last thing on this before we move on to Levine really quickly is this does, at least in theory, make competing in this division that much more difficult, right? Where Robert Sarver was one of the few owners, maybe the only owner, uh, according to, uh, you know, some, based on what I've seen, he was one of the only owners, maybe the only owner who's, uh, who is less wealthy at this stage than, than Jeannie bus um, in that division. This now means that, you know, when it comes to now on one hand, the Lakers print money. Um, they have one of the most uh, profitable TV deals. I believe they have the sports, most still. Yeah. The, yeah. If, if the it NBA, isn't the, it's certainly in the NBA, one of, yeah. yeah. Uh, one of the most profitable, if not the most profitable TV deals in sports history, American sports history. Um, they have an insane fan base, the biggest fan base, um, a- across the world, uh, of any other team in the NBA. Um, that's how I was able to afford my foyer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the Lakers also have, you know, incredible brand awareness and, and, um, in, incredible marketing behind it. Um, so like there are, there are certainly advantages that the Lakers have, but now there could be potential disadvantages when the principal owner and the principal decision maker of the Lakers has less personal resources to inject into the, uh, organization than the other owners that she is going to be competing with in her own division. And, you know, we, I think the only real take we can have right now um, is wait and see because mm-hmm. we have to see what what these new owners how they operate and all of that stuff. Um, but given the turnarounds that we've seen with the Clippers and with the Warriors, it it does. I, I think I think we can still probably fairly confidently uh, predict that it is with more resources coming into the fold here. Um, you know, it's probably going to be more competitive. You know, and uh, I know that the Lakers last year made some decisions based on some of the luxury tax implications of those decisions, and that led to a worse roster, and it's led to a tougher time digging out of this hole. Um, and it's you know, again, all I can really say right now is we'll see, but you know, this this is why fans are wondering if a sale could ever be coming it's because there's there's some concern with the direction of the Lakers currently. And, you know, I, I can't quite blame them for that. I, I, I can't, you know, um, I would love to be proven wrong. I would love for all those fans to be proven wrong. But as of now, like when people say like, is it, are they going to sell? Can they sell like that excitement, that, that excited tone that they have in their voices as they ask those questions? Um, you know, there's not much I can say to dissuade that 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 tone. I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, what 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 the money does in sports is doesn't make you any good, right? Like, we don't know if the Suns' new ownership they may not be any good at the job. Who knows, right? We don't yeah. know. As you said, wait and see. Vivek but sucked like the, at the beginning, and, but like and the, uh, has the mostly Yankees, been bad. The Yankees, for example, right? They're like money it gives them more chances, right? It doesn't make you better at it necessarily. It gives you yeah. more chances to to fix mistakes. So yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say we'll see, but it's just like, you know, like 
as I say, deal with reality on reality's terms. The Lakers are not being sold. So here we are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do think like more focus on the, on the margins and learning how to operate within those margins at a higher level level than they currently are is, is going to be an important focus moving forward. Um, let's just segue awkwardly before we get up out of here to Zach Levine and to DeMar DeRozan and to a Chicago, like talk about shit ownership. Um, (laughs) 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 we can talk about the Chicago bulls. Um, so the, 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 the Chicago bulls have had uh, frankly the season from hell. They are way closer to the lottery than they are to, uh, the top of the conference. They, at the start of last year, looked like one of the kind of fun, up-and-coming, exciting stories. DeMar DeRozan was playing. It was getting MVP buzz for a while. Uh, Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball were, were spearheading a really good defensive uh, unit despite playing alongside Nikola Vucevic and DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine. Um, things seemed to be going in, in the right direction there. Then Lonzo Ball gets hurt in, frankly, a terrifying way that like has people wondering about the rest of his career. Yeah. Um, Alex Caruso gets clotheslined by Grayson Allen and misses a chunk of time there. So their defense falls off of a cliff as soon as they lose those two guys. Um, Zach Levine gets hurt and hasn't quite looked the same since he came back. And now, you know, every time the, the Chicago Bulls are brought up, it seems more like a matter of, of when rather than if they're going to be blown up. Um, again, I would still say in point to ownership and, you know, and, and say that if, if oh God, why, why do I always blank on, on the Chicago Bulls owner? He also owns a white Sox. Oh, um, thank you. If Jerry Reinstorf uh, thinks that there's a chance at making it into the playoffs. And if keeping this roster intact gets him to, into the playoffs, that's what he's going to do. Uh, so for those of you who are on the trade machine, you know, <laughs> hoping to bring Zach Levine or DeMar DeRozan to the Lakers, I would probably tell you to, to I, I'll be the wet blanket for you there. But yeah, what do you make of, of Levine and DeRozan apparently going at it? That's wild. That's according to yeah, Sean so, Perani. The there's so much, there's so much, um, so much going on there. I, they went all in, um, to what had a very low ceiling for me and have clearly lost the, the Vooch trade. Um, Wendell Carter Jr. is just better than him and they gave up the picks. Yeah. Um, so I agree with you. Okay. And then like, yeah, the, the Lonzo thing scares me. I, I don't know. Like Zach Lowe said this on, on his show. I don't recently, I think it was Zach and it was, he described it as like, every time there's an update for, from the bulls, it's like, it's like like an elderly person in the hospital. Like, oh, he was able to get up and walk around the hall today. Yeah, it just like whatever's going on. Dude, there with, was an update. Like he wasn't, he wasn't able to go up or downstairs. He cannot run summer. without pain. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm worried about that. I'm also yeah. a little worried about AC. I don't like. I don't know what I don't know what's going on, but like maybe it's his role. His role is weird. Um, but it's like. He, he'll play like whatever 28 minutes or 33 minutes and there's like just so many like he just doesn't shoot like he won't shoot anymore he's like there's like so many nights of him just being like one for four with mm-hmm. three assists and two steals and like one rebound and you're like you were out there for 33 i don't 
something is weird. I don't, he doesn't look quite right physically to me. I don't know that, but he doesn't like something looks up. Um, and I don't think, I don't think Alex Caruso is the kind of player who can be like, like he's more connective tissue than he is foundational. Yeah, like, no, absolutely. But and, like, and like even when, that when, was even when, true in, in with the Lakers, right? Like playing off yeah. of those, he like three shots just isn't enough. Right. right. Like, we, we saw it in the playoffs when, when LeBron and AD weren't right. Caruso was bad in that, in that. So he was, he is somebody that obviously feeds off of, feeds off of, he's an incredible, he's an incredibly effective player playing off of superstars or stars. Um, I just don't like, again, it just doesn't look right to me. Um, And the vibes there are just, I would still bring him home. I would still happily bring him. Look, AC is one of my favorite guys in the league. He obviously, you know, showed that he fit incredibly well with LeBron and AD. I just like, his game has been weird this year and he's like always banged up. His game has just been weird to me this year. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's remnants from last year and Grayson Allen's cheap shot and all that. I don't know. It just, something looks off and maybe it's just like the whole environment, the whole brew yeah. in Chicago, just something just, it's just off. Yeah. And well, dude, when you have the two best players on the team, <laughs> like when you have, look, when a player is willing to let it, cause somebody within that locker room, and probably somebody from either DeMar DeRozan or Zach Levine's camp was willing to put it out there that those two guys in particular are not getting along. It is bad. It is t- like, think about how bad like you, you, you and I talk all the time, right? Aaron about like, if we're hearing about it, it's been out there for a minute. Yeah. Right. And, and so like, think about how shitty things have had to be, had to be for as long as they've had to been, um, in order to reach this point where this is where, where some camp is willing to throw this out there and say like, yeah, those so two guys, they my don't, they suspicion don't, they don't is like if in reading the, in reading the piece, um, it, it like reads pretty positively for Levine. So that would be yeah. my guess of where it came mm-hmm. from, but I don't, I don't know that, but like, this was kind of always going to be a thing. Like they were okay last year, this year they're bad. And yeah. like Levine and DeRozan are like not similar in their approach, but they're kind of similar players, right? Like there's a lot of Levine's going to shoot a bunch of threes. DeRozan's not, but they're both kind of like guys that like the ball a lot and don't pass it a whole bunch and don't guard much. And so I'm sure they, you know, have, especially with Lonzo out and AO has been terrible as their point guard and has been benched. So Caruso kind of plays point guard, but it's probably, it's the two of them initiating the offense the most. And I'm sure there's some friction there. And I say, all the time. I used to say that about, um, I think it was Aaron Rodgers. you know, like winning is the best deodorant, right? Like if you're, if you're like not loving your teammate, but you're kicking everybody's ass that has a lot longer lifespan or shelf life than yeah. when it's not going well. And they also, they keep losing in painful ways. They're just they bad. Keep, they're playing. They're just bad. Well, yeah, but they, they keep losing like tight games that, you know, slip away at the last minute and it, they keep losing in ways that you can identify like a play here or there that if it goes differently and I'm sure like if DeMar DeRozan who's, who is very good, like when it comes to decision-making, like in clutch moments, like that's the argument for those who hold him up as, as a target that the Lakers should make. Um, but like if, if DeMar is sitting there watching tape and he's watching Levine turn the ball over late and if you already don't mess with the guy much, right. And then he's costing you with with that kind of a play. And then I'm sure Levine is probably looking at Demar and is like, you know, would it kill you to shoot one three 
you know, like you might play so conservatively and you don't turn the ball over, but that conservatism, like there is a, a creativity tax that you weren't willing to pay and that might be limiting us. So those, those two guys, if they're losing and they're looking across the, the film room at each other, like there's just, there's no way to make that work. And, and yeah, I, but they also gave up a hundred, like in this game that they, there was a, this apparent blow up. They also gave up like 198 points. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's what happens when your two best players are Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. That's why like, and like Boosh. when people, well, your yeah, three biggest Boosh. investments, well, you're four if you include Lonzo, but he's not yeah. playing. So, but your he, four biggest Lonzo's investments great are, defensively. Caruso great defensively. Yeah, Lonzo, Lonzo, Lonzo is, yes. and Cruz, Lonzo and Caruso great defensively. Um, those three other guys not great defensively, actively bad in some cases <laughs> defensively, and I, and yeah, I would, like, I would say actively bad in all cases. Yeah, so so I don't know. I when when people talk about like you know, hey, is this something that the Lakers should keep an eye on? And we keep on getting reports that the Lakers have been keeping an eye on that. I. I'd stay. I, I the well, only player sure. I'd keep be an interested. Eye on, keep an eye on it. Nah, I don't know. I I don't I don't think Demar. I don't think Demar Derozan. I don't think Zach Levine. I don't think Vucevic fix any of the Lakers' issues. I really don't. Like, like they, the the Lakers need length and three point shooting, uh, length defensively and three point shooting, and like you could even make the case that Caruso probably doesn't fix that. But I think given what it costs to get Caruso compared to getting. DeRozan or, or Levine, I the only player I'm I'm at all interested in that situation is Caruso. I would be more interested in Lonzo if I thought that maybe the guy could ever walk right again, but I, I I'm not positive I can say that. So, like I, I with all this with all the focus and when when every time something comes up like this, you see like if I was to go on I'll, I'll go on Fanspo right now on the trade machine from Fanspo, and. Uh, yeah, DeMar DeRozan is the second most, the, the second highest name being put into trades most often. Cam Reddish is first. OG Ananobi is third. Um, Russ, Patrick Beverly, Evan Fournier, Kendrick Nutton. Can you can you get a grasp for like who's on on the trade machine more often? Than <laughs> Vucevic and Zach Levine. You. That rounds out your top nine. <laughs> and and Jay Crowder is number um, number ten. So like yeah, I I just I don't know. I don't see. I don't have much interest in what's going on with Chicago. I, I I really don't. I have left my thoughts for the Slack and for texting. I will <laughs> I will refrain from providing them here. All right, uh, that is going to do it here for this episode of the Hook. We have a couple more episodes here to round out the rest of the week before we dive into the holidays. Thank you guys a ton for tuning in the way that you have. And uh, yeah, I will be here to talk to you guys tomorrow with a special guest who I don't want to give away because I hate jinxing that kind of a thing. So until then, I'm Anthony Irwin. That was Aaron Larsoul, and this was the one. Happy holidays, everybody. <laughs>